and welcome to Belly of the Beast podcast. And today, your host is Paula Payton, also known as P-Squared. And I am so happy to be sitting here with the Grammy-nominated two times, Mr. Whitley Bradley. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Paula. Thank you for having me today. Oh, we're glad to have you here. I have so many questions because I've been doing so much reading about Mr. Bradley that I wanted to know some some deep, dark things about you. And when I say deep and dark, I don't mean dark, but I just mean things that people don't know about you. And so therefore, one question I have, being an Orangeburg native, how is it that you got into jazz music? Okay, well, uh, I got uh, started, an early start in listening to music when I was growing up. My dad uh, had every album that you can name in our living room, and uh, my mother was a, an educator here. And um, the big thing about on Saturdays is that uh, me and my siblings, we had to iron several sets of clothes for next week to, to work for the school week. And neither one of, we couldn't turn the TV on to look at cartoons, but we could turn the stereo on. And uh, we're in the house, and we're mimicking the Temptations, the you know Lena Horne and the, the Dinah Ross and the Supremes and Herb Albert, Tijuana Brass. So we're mimicking all these artists with the uh, with the broom handles and uh, you know the dust mop and all that kind of stuff. You know because we weren't allowed to t- look at the TV because uh, you know cartoons are on, you're going to be distracted. But we had a plethora of uh, artists uh, from one wall to the other, full of just every artist that you could name. And you know, with, you know, when it was time to uh, start band at, at Belleville Middle School with uh, Mr. Hunt, you know, I went to the school, and you know, my mom got me a trumpet, and you know, uh, I've been playing trumpet ever since. And how old were you when that happened? I was about eleven or twelve. Wow. So. Let me ask you, how many siblings do you have? I have a brother and a sister. Oh, okay, so I thought you all were looking like the Jackson 5 in there. Oh, no, it wasn't that many of them. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be a great thing to talk about. But other than that, that is wonderful. So they prepared you really for what we're doing tonight, to what you're doing for all of your your life right now. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that, that's, that's a great thing. So here's another question I have for you. And it's a little off offbeat you know it has nothing to do with anything but I know you do this all the time could you explain to me and also our audience what is the difference between smooth jazz and jazz okay so you have uh, traditional jazz which is the standard jazz and you know where you have uh, more of the hardcore improvisation and contemporary jazz is more like the Say, for instance, if you had a song like uh, Grover Washington, that's more of a contemporary, it's more uh, not so avant-garde. So there is a difference. One part of jazz is straight ahead and the other one's contemporary, or today we call it smooth jazz. Right, because is it? I notice when you're doing smooth jazz, it's a lot of popular music and it's played in, you know, you have the funk, you have the bass, you have, you know, the different instruments playing according to what the beat and all the tempo is. Right. And then with jazz, it's like improvisation, you know, it's like, you know what I mean? Right. I think I did, I think I did a trumpet. That was a trumpet. (laughs) I just, that was a, that was a trumpet. (laughs) But other than that. But other than that, I just wanted to understand or let other people understand what the exact difference is because usually I'll say, oh, I love jazz music. And then people will say, oh, I love jazz music too. I just love, you know, like Lena Horne and things of that nature. And I'm like, well, that's jazz. But I was thinking more like, you know, 
Coltrane, um, Miles Davis, and then when it comes to smooth jazz, yes, I was thinking uh, like, you know, Kenny G or yes, Willie Bradley. G, yes, Willie Bradley. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So basically the contemporary jazz or smooth jazz is, say for instance, you took a song like um, Janet Jackson, you know, and you just played an instrumental, take a vocal R&B pop song, maybe like Lash from Sam Smith, and you just played instrumental, that's considered contemporary or smooth jazz. Right, like a, 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 I think it's Gerald Albright. Gerald Albright. And he did Champagne Life. Champagne, yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, when he did that, I listened to it like a long time ago when I first heard it, and I was like, oh my goodness, they not Champagne Life? Are they really playing this like this? That and was it, actually, it was great. It became one of his biggest hits. Yeah, it is a great hit, but you know, let's get back to some great hits by Whitley Bradley. Okay. Now, my first one was, of course, Groove with the Cues. Groove with the Cues. Yes. You know, that's uh that was a song that I, I that was the last song that I completed for my new project. It's entitled uh, It's My Time and um, it featured Mr. George Clinton. Yes. Okay, so uh, actually that particular song was like I said, was the last song. And um, I wanted to do something extraordinary on the project. It took me three years to complete the project. And um, I'm a member of Omega South Five Attorney Incorporated. And we recently inducted uh, George Clinton, brother George Clinton. And, um, you know, someone asked me, hey, Willie, why don't you reach out to some celebrities and see if you can uh, get them on your album? Well, of course, the album is a collaboration album. And I uh, set out to reach Stevie Wonder in the beginning, but Stevie had already had uh, He'd already released his album, and he'd already had uh, the, his limit for who he could, you know, feature or be featured on uh, projects. And uh, so I uh, said, man, let me see if I can find Mr. George Clinton. So I, uh, I set out to Facebook, good old Facebook, and I, um, I went to Mr. Clinton's website, sent him a couple emails, you know, didn't get any response. Okay, so I... I uh, friends with uh, Patty Brown, which is uh, one of the, the bass players, original members of Parliament in the Funkadelic. And uh, I reached out to her on Facebook and I said, hey, listen, I'm trying to find Mr. Clinton. Can you help me get in touch with him? And she said, well, what have you done to try to reach him yourself? I said, well, I sent two emails, never, get, never got any response from them. And she said, well, give it a couple more days. And if you don't get a response, call me back. So uh, didn't get a response. A couple of days, I called Patty back, and uh, she said, "Okay, I'm going to give you this number." And he was wrapped by this time. And he was wrapped by this time. He said, "You better not tell him where you got this number from." But I, I was hesitant in calling the number. I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna call the number." Called the number, and uh, um, Carlone Thompson, his wife, answered the phone, and I told her who I was, and I said I was trying to reach Mr. Clinton. I told her I was a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. And I had a track that I wanted to know if he'd be interested in listening to called Groove for the Cues. And uh, I wanted to feature him on it. And I, she said, okay, well, send me the track and send me some information about you. I emailed her the information. And uh, I just recently had uh, two back-to-back number one billboard hits. So that didn't hurt for them to know that I was a credible artist. You know, uh, they listened to the song for for, it took about six months for him to get back to me, but they eventually got back, and you know he completed the track, and I got all the horn arrangements on the track and everything. And you know the biggest part of it is that um, I wanted to find a way that I could get back to fraternity and one of the um, the initiatives that they raise money for. So I spoke with uh, Dr. David Marion, who's the uh, the grand bosses for Make Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, and um, I let them hear the song. 
and they like the song and the groove and they say well brother bradley we like the song you know we're gonna we'll, we'll send it out for you you know but we want you to do something for us I said you know if you could help us raise money for the hbcu initiative that we have here in omega sci-fi you know we'll send it out to all the fraternity brothers across the country so they supported the track and it's become a big deal right now on spotify has 70,000 plus streams along with the album having 828 838,000 plus streams as of today. Because it's a great song. Yes. And so 10% of uh, the proceeds from uh, Groove for the Cues and the album it itself will go towards the HBCU initiative for Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. And that is something like he says in the song to stomp about. That's right. Because I Absolutely. know that's George saying stomp. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Every time he said it, I did it at the computer. So, you know, I just, I think that song is great. And then your other songs that really caught me because I felt like one was the beginning and then here is the, where we are now. It was introducing Wendy. Introducing Willie Bradley. That was on my first uh, contemporary jazz CD, Another Day in Time, and that was uh, that was the introduction to the album. Right, and then I ended with Willie Be Good. Willie Be Good is on is the last song on the sophomore CD, Going with the Flow. And I and then I listened to them together, back to back, and it tells its own story. If you listen to it, because you, like you said, it was in the beginning. And, and then at the other one was at the end and it was just like, you know, these two go together. If you're just really listening to it, they mesh right in, they can flow right into each other. Right, absolutely. And so I just wanted to know, what was your story in the beginning when you were doing Introducing Willie Bradley? Okay, so basically, um, between every CD project I've had, the first, the first project I had was a gospel project and I did it with a a couple guys that I went to church with and they were called the Kingdom Builders and we, we all went to the same church. So we played gospel music at church and then we had, were a trio. We were called the Kingdom Builders in church and we're called Essential Elements because we played contemporary jazz out in the community and all the other venues. And uh, prior to the gospel jazz CD, uh, you know, the group disbanded because uh, I had an issue with drugs and alcohol and we kind of disbanded. I went to rehab. Uh, for the fourth time and I was supposed to be there for six months ended up staying for 22 months and after I got out of rehab you know I went back to the church and um, the church uh, helped me complete the CD project uh, Speak to My Heart by the King uh, and it was by the Kingdom Builders and then um, on the gospel album all the songs that are on the gospel album were a combination of traditional and contemporary gospel songs that that were getting me through different stages of me coming through recovery, and you know, and uh, and then after I got done with the gospel album, I I really wanted to do a jazz album, solo album, and um, I raised the money to do a contemporary, my first album called Another Day in Time. So Another Day in Time was a spinoff from the gospel album and it, it's a it's a, a spinoff and it's a telling my life story coming out of recovery and then I'm finding myself and I'm living at another day and time in my life and um, believe it or not I'm, I was 50 years old at the time and I had a 17 year old kid named Nicholas Cole who produced and co-wrote the whole album right in his in his mother's bedroom in his house in his bedroom at his mother's house and um, you know you know, you never know um, 
when the Lord is going to give you the desires of your heart. And one of the biggest things was all I had to do was, you know, get out of the way. Because you were in your way. I was in my way big time. And uh, well, I got, I got really got focused, and I knew what I wanted to do. And but wait, hold on, I have to back up. So, you were in the choir at the church, right? I was a church musician. I played a church musician. Church. So while you were a church musician, were you on drugs then? I was. I was. I was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It wasn't funny then, but when I look back at it, it it's. You know, I was coming off of the road in my shiny clothes on a Saturday night, smelling like alcohol, and. I was falling asleep on church, falling asleep in church, and uh, the pastor would say, "Brother Bradley, I need to see you at the church," and everybody looking at me, and it was it was a sad story. It was sad because I was I was I was really really lost at that point in my life. I was really struggling, and um, which is why you turned out you know alcoholic. Drugs, yes, right. Yes, but uh, you know they, my church stood be, stood be, stood behind me, and they're still there for me. I attended a. Uh, Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and uh, Reverend Jamel Johnson and his father, Aaron Johnson, they were both very supportive of me, and they still are right now today. So, um, you know, I went back to church, and I, you know, I did what I needed to do, and, you know, I was getting my check from church before everybody else, like two months, three months ahead of everybody else, you know. I was asking for much. <laughs> you know the I story. Have to pay the, I have to pay the rent. Pay the light bill. And then it's like, you know, how many more times are you going to, you know. So uh, I had to play in church for a whole year with no pay. Not being on the payroll before. They just didn't know if I was going to stay or not. Wow. You know, it took what it took. But I, I played in church for a whole year without being on the payroll. Didn't miss any Sundays. And uh, because I'd asked my pastor prior to me going to rehab if they would help me with the gospel album, and he said, "Nah, brother Bradley, you, you're not ready yet." You know. Okay. So <laughs> please tell me, how did you get ready? What was the incident in your life that got you ready for these years of just blissfulness for you? Well, you know, when I was in rehab the last time, the fourth time I was court ordered. And uh, because I'd had six, D six DWIs, I told three new cars, and I had already been to rehab three times. Okay, I just part of it I wasn't trying to stop, I wasn't ready to stop. But this last time, you know, I don't know what happened, but when that gunshot went through the van door, it went hit the seat I was sitting in in the van, and it ricocheted, and I went on a high speed chase. You know. I, at that point, I didn't want to live anymore. I was I was at a dark, dark point in my life where, you know, I, it was so painful. I was just so I was just so hurt and devastated. That you know, I was so I thought I had done so many wrong things that I could never come back from it. And why did you feel this way? I mean, I felt been that way because this way for a while, I had been feeling that way for a while, and the pain had gotten so great. You know, when when you're dealing with drug and alcohol addiction, the drugs and alcohol are not the core of the problem. The core of the problem stems from, you know, some trauma from growing up, you know, uh, maybe somebody was molested when they're growing up or abandonment issues, but maybe a parent died when they were young and left the kid young. Abandonment issues, um, the physical abuse, sexual abuse, those those type of things. In my case, it was, it was the physical abuse and maybe abandonment issues from my father not being there like I thought he should have. 
or, or and, and me feeling like, man, what did I do wrong to deserve to not? Maybe I did something wrong, maybe taking the blame for a lot of things which really were not my problem, or I necessarily did not do anything wrong. And I was carrying the, the anger and resentment around for years, until I was 45 years old. And finally I got the professional counseling that I needed, and uh, finally forgave my father, and, um, and you know, uh, when I was, like I said, you know, I was in this rehab, rehab bedroom, and after, you know, you get a, get, get a little moment of clarity and you lay in there, man, I started crying in the rehab facility in the bed. And I think I cried for about four days straight. Little did I know that the Lord was, clean, the Lord was cleansing me and getting me ready for the next step in my life. I didn't know what it was going to be, but when I got done crying, I was ready to make everything right, everything right that I had done wrong. So I was ready to face, I, I wanted to make everything right. I was able to turn around and face all the terrible things I had done. All the, all the people that had done the terrible things too. And once your, once your garbage has been exposed, you have nothing else. You have to, when you're, once, once you've been exposed, you have no choice. What made you tell an artist in, in the same position as you, wanting to play music, wanting to do more with music, but they also have some of the same problems that you had with drug addiction or abuse or, you know, uh, being molested. What would you tell them instead of them just, you know, don't succumb to what you're feeling, but what would you do to make them override that feeling? You know, the, 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 the healing part is when you when you open up and you start talking to someone, when you talk about the problems. And when you, if you don't talk about it and you, excuse me, and you're suppressing what's, what's, what, what you're really feeling, that's, that's killing you. It'll kill you until you you have to talk to somebody about it. And if you notice today, a lot of artists are talking, a lot of people in general are talking about what used to happen to them. And, you know, once you are able to talk about, you know, uh, some of the terrible things that have happened to you, that's, that's, that's when healing is going to take place. When you actually start talking about it, that's when the healing is going to take place. And you got to stop blaming yourself. You told me a lot about yourself in just, what, five minutes, and I would have never thought that because people, if you have not seen Willie Bradley, let me let you know that he is the Steve Harvey walking himself. <laughs> the man has suits galore. He Today he walked in, I thought he was a student, but, you know, just seeing him is just, he's always tight to death. I don't know how you all are talking, but it's, it's facts, it's facts. But other than that, um, I have so many other questions for you, but wow, I just, I did say I was going to go there, but I didn't know that we were going to go there. So I'm glad that you were able to share that with us and, you know, someone else out there who needs to hear that. But other than that, being a trumpeteer, I just want to ask, do you know about buzz preparations and are they fun? Okay, well, well, buzz preparation, you know, you know, every time, every day I have to at least put my horn on my mouthpiece. Okay, so because, um, you know, there's an imprint here, you know, that you can't see, but it's kind of etched in my, in, in the, the bone in my cheek, and I have to make sure that I practice every day. If not, if I'm not able to practice somewhere, I have my mouthpiece in my hand, I'm buzzing on my mouthpiece. It just keeps my lips intact, and um, just like anything else, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And once you lose a trumpet lip, a trumpet embouchure, it's, it's hard as the dickens to, to get it back. So it's, it's just easier just to practice every right, day, basically. Right, right, And then for an upcoming player, you know, this is life lesson skills in trumpeteering. Um, what about being hydrated while you are playing the trumpet? 
What could happen if you're not hydrated? Okay, well, you know, if you're not hydrated, you can pass out on, on stage, right? Like I just got done doing uh, the Winston-Salem uh, Downtown Jazz Series. It was it was 100 plus degrees at 7 p.m. And you know, when I before I even got through the first song, I was soaking wet, but I was hydrated. I was drinking, I was drinking water and Gatorade the whole time. I mean, so you have to stay hydrated. And that also helps with headaches, right? Also because with headaches, yes. I noticed that I read that if about the tension in your throat mm -hmm. and on your nose and your neck. If you hold those tensely, you could get a headache. And also on top of that, being dehydrated does not work for you. So you will pass out. Got you. So has that ever happened to you? No. At any never. point in time? No, the early never. years? Never. Okay, so you haven't passed out. No. Okay, well how many women have passed out just hearing you play? Oh my god. And then when you play <laughs> and then when you have on your suits, you know, I'm playing the trumpeteer, you know, you have the suits. I mean, I know you are swooning the crowd. So how many women? have passed out. None. Not at all. Are you sure? I'm sure, positive. Because ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting here with him and I don't believe no one has passed, not a soul. Because like you said, it seems like a trumpeteer or a, 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 a horn player, I'll just say. They always have that certain imprint right there. You can't see it, but you have some of, and your imagination just takes you like it has to be from the trumpet because you're always buzzing. Right. And so when you're just, that was my horn, excuse me. But yeah, when you're just doing that, you're practicing your lips and your muscles to just do that. So I just think that you carry that and you carry that well with the suits as well. So therefore, you know, I just think you're an awesome person, Mr. Bradley. And I just take pride in what I do, you know, when I, when you get a second chance at life, mm -hmm. you don't you don't take I don't I don't take uh, take anything like that. You know, um, when I set out to do this, success was the only option, and um, I just wanted to set myself apart from from all the other trumpet players. I didn't want to just wear a pair of jeans on stage. If I was going to do it, it was going to be first class. And it definitely is first class. It's definitely first class. But let's get into your personal life a little bit. Here's one question: When is your birthday? I think I know when it is. Is it in October? My birthday is October 21st. We're a Libra. Right. Yay! Day. I'm a Libra as well. I'm the October the 6th. So you're on the cusp of a Libra and a Scorpio. Yeah, so you have two characteristics about yourself, which is why I think you you do so much right now. You're you're balancing your scales and you do you do a great job. And so therefore going back to the, what we were talking about in the beginning. Let's go back to what fulfills you the most in your life besides music. What fulfills your heart? What makes you go, this is what I want to do. If I wasn't playing music, I need to be doing this. Uh, well, I'm very passionate about um, helping other sick and suffering alcoholics and addicts. I, you know, I became a certified substance abuse counselor, you know, coming out of rehab. You know, I want to be able to give back because, you know, uh, the Lord saved a wretch like me and I wanted to be able to show other people how they can save themselves. And that's the calling of my life right now, along with my music. And uh, once you're called to do something, you have to do it. You have to pay it forward. And that's such an important role, um, to example to set these days because you know, I think a lot of our younger generation are getting away from, you know, the community aspect of, you know, putting back what you've done before and, and helping out, paying it forward, things of that nature. So I just think that's a wonderful thing. But what's your next venture in music? What else could you do besides, well, you know? 
You know, I was I was thinking about that a, a few weeks ago. I was like, okay, well, um, I've done this album. It took me three years to do this this current album, and you know, I put a lot of time and effort in it, and it's and it's really showing at this point. You know, I have two number one Billboard hits off of the album, and hopefully, I, I still have a few singles that I think will will, will peak to that point. But you know. Um, you often think about, well, what's it going to be like when I'm not able to run up and down the road like I've been doing all these years? So um, just um, just recently, I, I got an opportunity to um, come back to my alma mater, South Carolina State University. Blue dogs. And the, uh, the music department there that helped give me the substance that I made up today. I get the opportunity to go back and be the adjunct professor of music in the music industry department. And that's a great thing because it also shows you have the experience to be that adjunct professor. And for those who are out there listening, if you have a lot of experience and you didn't go to college or you did go to college, but you know, you can also gain a way into uh, you know, your profession by experience. And that's what you have done. You know, you went to South Carolina State, they've invited you to come back, and you know, you're doing your thing there. But I was thinking you might want to, you know, be a songwriter or a song. You don't want to sing because well, I think you don't I heard want you to start singing. A little bit, I can you know. sing a little. Yeah, I heard uh, you playing a little bit of Eddie Murphy outside. My girl wants to party all the time. Party all the time. <laughs> I was joking. Party all the time. <laughs> I and I was with, like, wow, maybe he'll sing that today. I was joking with somebody else. Oh, you heard that? <laughs> oh, you my were God. singing it like, you know, I'm going to sing this like Eddie Murphy on the video. And it was like, my, and I was I was on the couch just jigging with you. Oh, wow. Had you come inside, but then you came back inside. You had the apple and you got quiet, so yeah. I didn't say anything. Right, right. So I was just thinking your next venture would be singing, doing no, concerts. I would, no, I think my next venture, uh, I think, I think the... the the, the ultimate thing was to be able to write a book. And I've been harassed and harassed by my pastor and several people said, Willie, you really need to write a book about yeah, your story. I believe it. And I think that, um, you know, so we can't ever make plans for our life because, you know, never in a million years that I think that I will be back here at South Carolina State University doing what I'm going to be doing there. But you know what? I couldn't tell them no. I mean, I, I, I think it's... Uh, it's an honor mm-hmm. to even be able to come back, right? You know, and um, and those people, and if the the department feels like uh, I'm qualified based on the, the wealth of knowledge that I have, you know, the hard work I've done in the music industry, and uh, everything I've shown them that I'm capable of doing, I mean, that's that's an honor. It is. It really is. To come I don't. Back and I don't take it lightly. You shouldn't, because that's a, like you said, that's a great honor. People are thinking of you. They're wanting you to come over. They want you to be that bridge and the, the gap between, you know, the students who need the music, the training, the knowledge, you know, and to see a black man doing it and doing it so well, but he has such a past and he's come from here to here, you know. Things that you do are believable. And so we just appreciate you coming in today and sharing your story with us. And we would love to have you come back. So I can ask you some more intimate questions. I'll be glad to come back. You know, I think the biggest part is that, um, you know, and this, this music industry is real cruel. If you don't know how to navigate, if you don't know your way around in it, and if you don't know the business part of it, you can be the best artist, the best musician in the world. But if you don't know the business side, and if you don't know how to recoup uh, 
residual income from your music or from your product or from whatever it is you're trying to achieve, if you're not making a decent amount of money, it's, it's, it's really not worth your time. You know, so uh, what I bring to the table at South Carolina State University and everybody that comes, uh, you know, to me for assistance and help is, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, you have a, have a proper foundation uh, to be successful in the music industry. And um, that's what I would like to give to the, to the students at South Carolina State University. You know, because it's, you know, if they don't have that foundation, there's just no way you're going to be successful. You have to be able to keep up with the ever-changing uh, time. time, yes, and technology. Technology, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Well, wow. Well, I know that you're always talking about South Carolina State, but I work at Claflin University, and we would love to have you come over as a visiting adjunct professor to our music department as well. I'm just putting that out there, so if you get a phone call, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, just right. pick up, because <laughs> we would love to have you as well. But we want to say thank you so much. I'm going to end our conversation today, but it is really, really great getting to know you, you know, so many different parts of you and you know I'm just a, I'm happy to be here and I'm not taking this for granted at all and thank you I appreciate the opportunity appreciate you guys having me today thank you thank you well this is going to be the ending of our first podcast of Belly of the Beast and uh, please tune in and listen to the podcast with our wonderful guest Willie Bradley and this is your host signing off Peace Squared <laughs>